Hey everybody, we're going to get into the show in just a few minutes, but I wanted to bring something to your attention that I've been using. It's a supplement called You Can Super Starch, and you guys have may have heard me talk about this on social media, or you may have been following my Super Starch experiment that I did with some of my friends and fellow keto influencers. Um, you guys, if, if you don't know what Super Starch is, it's a complex carb that doesn't spike blood sugar. It delivers a slow and steady release of glucose into the bloodstream. It doesn't cause a significant ride, rise in blood, blood insulin levels or or blood sugar, which permits greater use of fat for fuel relative to other carbohydrates. The big difference between superstarch compared to other low glycemic foods and fibers is that it provides extended, stable blood glucose levels, which translates into steady, long-lasting energy. I got to tell you guys, I've been using this pre-workout. Um, interestingly, my blood ketones have trended up since using this product, and that's actually been confirmed in one study that I saw from East Carolina, where the participants who took the super starch actually saw an increase in ketones. So yes, this is a carbohydrate, and we're talking about it on a ketogenic um, podcast, which we, we talk about ketogenic diets a lot. But as you'll see, our guest today, Michael Andrew, is um, several world record holding swimmer who's also ketogenic and has been using it um, for years now and he's had great results you'll get to hear that on this episode if you want to purchase some you can super starch for yourself you can use our code carbs for keto that's c-a-r-b-s the number four keto and you'll get a discount on super starch i encourage you guys to try this especially if you want something pre-workout that's going to give you better energy. Um, I've noticed that my blood sugar is stable, my ketones are stable. So definitely try out Super Starch. And without further ado, now on to our show. Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast, where every week, Danny and Mauda Vega discuss topics that help families live a healthy and active lifestyle with their little ones, including nutrition and training, peaceful parenting, education, and mindset. To stay up to date, make sure to hit subscribe on this podcast and check out the blog at www.fatfuel.family. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at dannyvega.ms, at Fat Fueled Mom, and at Fat Fueled Kids, and Fat Fueled Family on YouTube. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Vega, and I'm joined by this shredded fitness model. That's right. <laughs> I didn't get an adjective last podcast. Yeah. I he was upset. I was upset. We've lost the audio on <laughs> two podcasts. Me. Not at her, but she didn't even get an adjective, and I'm always giving her an You're adjective. Fine, take it out on me. And I just love, now I know that 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 she actually likes the adjective. Because I always wait for, like, what's going to be today's yeah, like description. Yeah, like my stress-free wife, my happy stress. wife. Sometimes it's stress. But today it's just my shredded, hot fitness model of a wife. Thank you, though. But now it's awkward. <laughs> Just um, I don't want to waste any time because I'm really excited about our guests. Um, this week's guest is a competitive swimmer who first gained notoriety for breaking numerous national age group records in his teens. Over the course of his young career, he's broken more than 100 national age group records. He's also broken junior world records in the 50 meter free back and fly, taking down all three at the 2017 World Junior Championships. In short course meters, Andrew won a world championships gold in the 100 meter IM at age 17. He's coached by his father 
and he trains in a non-traditional way using a method called ultra short race pace training or USRPT. USRPT is a training format built on scientific evidence gathered by Dr. Brent Rochal. I think that's, is, did I get that right? Yeah, that's correct. All right. Nice. Okay. Um, it's race pace training using an ultra short training format. Michael's also a ketogenic athlete having adopted this lifestyle in 2017 after years of experimenting with various low carb approaches, paleo included. And today we're going to dive into his training and his nutrition, his mindset. And lastly, we may sneak in some questions related to his education and upbringing, because as you guys know, this is, these are two of our biggest passions. So welcome to the show, Michael Andrew. How's it going, man? Very good. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked. This is going to be awesome. Oh, we're super excited to have you on, man. Oh, Mata, Mata has a question. No, go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so we always lead off with this question. What is the most critical problem you're currently trying to solve? Perfect. Um, so I guess I've had a day or so to think about this, but for me, the most critical problem I'm trying to solve currently and something I've really been working on throughout my entire career is how to live and compete as an athlete with a purpose-based mentality over a performance-based mentality. Wow. Um, and to me, this is something that I've, I speak on regularly, but I see a lot of struggles in the elite world where we're so focused on winning records, this and that, and trying to perform. And obviously, I, it makes sense. Obviously, in sports, you know, whoever wins gets the prize and sponsors want to be with an athlete that's winning. And that's that's fine. But I think so much of our focus becomes all about that. And it takes the joy and the excitement out of what ultimately brings us this peace and it should be joy. Like for me, I started swimming because I love the feeling of going fast through water. And I definitely found there's times in my career where I become so focused on trying to get a medal that I end up losing focus on that. And so it's living with a purpose-based identity. Oh man, that is, that that is so huge. You know, we, we have one of my best friends, he, he um, was fortunate enough to be, you know, top 10 in the world in bodybuilding. And he got to that, that stage and he did, he had that, that, um, did you say performance? Purpose versus yeah, performance. performance based. Yeah. And, and of course, mm-hmm. like someone with that mentality, and I've always had that mentality up until like recently where I started focusing on, you know, the process and like, like you say, the purpose of what you're doing. And, um, I can imagine, especially for someone like you who's been competing for so long, um, that you can be robbed of joy and, and, you know, people probably look at you and say, wow, this kid's, you know, he's got so much going for him. He's doing so well. But when, you, when you start to feel like a slave, to mm-hmm. everyone else, to your sponsors, to, and you're just so up and down based on like, like you, you got, you know, uh, let's say you got even silver in something mm-hmm. and now your world is, 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 is ending because you didn't get gold. That's right. a problem, man. Yeah. It's crazy. And that's the thing is I think too, I mean, even if you throw another P word in there, it's like perspective, having perspective yeah. and knowing like, dang, we're living our best life, able to compete and train. We, I, I get paid to take good care of my body. Like how right. crazy is that? <laughs> yeah. It's the best thing. It's so true. Yeah. It, it's such a dream. And I get to travel the world racing and doing all these things. So, I mean, obviously you have a bad year and you swim slowly. Like you want to do better and you use that motivation to perform, but there's so much good that comes out of those negative moments and just be able to, being able to uh, see that and adjust accordingly. Yeah. 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 That's, and again, 20 years old, it's just, it's really cool. I've seen some of your videos and I'm just like, man, I didn't, I didn't think about this stuff till like five, 10 years ago. So 
I mean, this is the type of stuff we're trying to instill in our five and eight year olds. So um, kudos to you. It's obviously a testament to your parents, too. And we'll oh, talk yeah. about them. Right. Um, right. But but yeah, why don't we start with uh, get right into nutrition? Yeah, let's not waste any time because we want to we definitely want to talk about the nutrition stuff. So you're kind of a tall guy, right? Six, five. Your mom yeah, was. Oh, six, six. Oh, six, six. Six. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, your mom was a gladiator, which how cool is that? And <laughs> so cool. And your father has taken a really active role throughout your swimming career. Can you let our listeners um, in on how you've approached nutrition since childhood and what led to your decision to experiment with the ketogenic diet and lifestyle? Yeah, for sure. So it'll be a bit of a long answer, but um, That's so, okay. so I started swimming competitively when I was about eight years old. Um, I was very fortunate to have parents that loved me so much. Like, like we were, I mean, we were a crazy family. So we really devoted a lot of our life to swimming and to, to really helping me to become the best athlete I possibly could. Um, and so we, we've been working as a team uh, all these years, a little over a decade now. And um, I was fortunate to have parents who would research and look for what was the best. Like they didn't just believe in what everybody else is doing, but they wanted to find a way that was supported by science and by data. Um, that's how we found our training method. And then obviously these last few years, I think we, we started to look more into diet. I think the beginning, you know, like eight to like 14, it was very much eat the, sp the spaghetti, the pastas, your noodles. I mean, I remember going to swim meets and I'd each night I would go to noodles and company and get two regular bowls with two chicken breasts and I'd eat it every time. It was, I mean, it's a ton of food. Yeah. And I, I look back at it now. I'm like, dang, that must've just like been destroying my insides. <laughs> um, and it's, it's just so interesting, but like fast forward to the last three years where we really started to dive deeper into diet is uh, we started experimenting with paleo and then eventually found friends and other athletes who had mentioned keto. Didn't really know a whole lot about it as keto has been, it's a relatively young uh, lifestyle, I feel. Oh, especially with performance. Oh, especially in performance. So oh, yeah, yeah, we made, like we looked at the science, we realized the data was there in terms of losing weight and for like the average Joe. But for me, my initial hesitation was I'm not an endurance triathlete. I'm not running a hundred hours at a time or what, all these crazy long distance things. I was a sprinter. So my longest or my best race was like 21 seconds long. And so I thought, well, how is, how's keto going to work? Um, and as we get farther into the podcast, I can explain a little more in just terms of like what food and supplements I'm using to combat that. But, um, I guess it's just through trial and error, like experimenting all the time, we eventually came to find that keto is the way that my body really wants to be fueled. Um, and it took a little bit of uh, convincing. I think my parents bought into it before I did. <laughs> and once I really committed to trying it out for the long term, at least, you know, past like 10 weeks, I was really able to then feel the benefits. Um, and now I'm a full on believer of keto. And it's been really interesting to see how my journey as a keto athlete has changed lives of other keto or other athletes who are now looking into it and experimenting with diet change. And um, yeah, so I, I don't know Incredible. if that really answered the question, but absolutely. Yeah. Well, it does. It does. And we, we appreciate 
um, the first thing you said about how crazy you guys are, because that's, that's us. You yeah. Know, we like, feel like that sometimes we're like, gosh, are we like too crazy uh, <laughs> with the kids, you know, but I, I yeah. w- no, you know, like we're not, oh. we're not drill sergeants. We're no. like, we're doing everything we do out of love yeah. and we're not, right. you know, we keep their autonomy and we work with them to identify like what they're interested in. And then we just throw all of our passion and energy and resources at that. Yeah, absolutely. That's so exciting to see. And it's rare to see because, right. you know, a lot of today's society and culture, it's like separate the family, the kids do their own thing. It's like, we yeah. just have right in the blog side, like, why in the world is Michael sitting with his dad? It's like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, I love my dad. Like, why Aww. would I want to hang out with my dad? So true. So it's just like, you know, we, we do this as a family and we've got each other's back. And so nobody's going to support me more than my blood. Yes. And, uh, yes. We work really well together, fortunately. I love that, man. Well, we, we spoke a bit on the phone uh, about your transition to keto, but I really just loved the way you described your mindset going into it and how that helped you during that adaptation phase. So can you explain that more in detail um, for our audience so they can understand, especially because what you mentioned as you knew that this was like off the bat, you were like, oh, this seems like a very endurance, uh, mm-hmm. much more geared towards endurance. So what, what did you... You, um, you know, what was your mindset going into the the diet and, and how did that help with your transition? Yeah. So my mindset initially going into, like I said, was, was a little more uh, skeptic than it was optimist. And then I, I definitely felt like, oh man, I'm going to have to give up all this yummy tasting food for ketones. <laughs> no, I had 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 um, experiences in the past with uh, ketone companies who were like, oh, use these ketones and stay in ketosis and still eat carbs and that's cool and stuff. Very fortunate now to be with a company, uh, Real Ketones, who, who can do that and it's incredible. But being able to eat a ketogenic diet on top of that is like, oh, it's unbelievable. But what I was speaking with you the other day is I think my my adaptation, so we go through something called the keto flu, yep. which anybody who knows about going into ketosis has heard of the keto flu. Uh, it's this dreaded four week or two week or whatever period of time that your body is going to adapt and change from burning off of the, the carbohydrates that are stored into creating ketones and using that as your fuel source. For me, I was a little worried. I thought, oh great, I'm gonna now suck in training. I'm gonna have terrible performance for these weeks. And um very quickly found myself trapped in this thinking. Um, and for me as a, an elite athlete, I've come to realize that what separates us isn't our physical stature. A lot of us are very strong, very fit, very capable. But what really divides the great from the good is what we're able to do with our mind. Um, and so at that point, I realized, you know what, if I'm going to commit to the keto diet, I'm going to believe that it's going to work for me. I'm going to be very diligent, obviously, in what I eat, but I'm going to not let my mind tell me that I'm good, that I have to be tired and this and that. Um, I think also what helped me is because of the amount of training I was doing and still do because it was so intense, I was able to really burn my energy stores and actually burn my body into ketosis oh, yeah. quite a bit quicker than most people because the intensity was right. so high. Everything we do, uh, ultra short race space, everything's at pace. So there's a quite a intense, um, intense workout each time I get in the pool, 
which is really interesting. Now, obviously now being ketosis for quite a while, like I could eat a carb meal, get out of ketosis and within a day and a half, oh, yeah. be back into ketosis like very heavily, um, which is cool because we've, <laughs> we've been experimenting with this and testing blood and things like that. Um, but going back to your answer, I think for me, the biggest thing as, as an athlete switching from eating carbs, going into keto was really having a mental shift and knowing, okay, this is something I need to commit to. I need to just think or speak positively towards it because that makes it that much easier um, and not as much of a drag. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah we're it. totally on board with like the positive, like I do that. I feel like I do that when I'm, you know, well, I never say I'm getting sick. Like that's one of those things that you can totally <laughs> Like your positive right. thinking can make you sick or yeah. I mean, can make you not get sick or your negative thinking can make you sick because I feel I like hypochondriacs agree. are always sick. I'm like, you're making yourself sick. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, I wanted to say one more thing. Um, our, our friend Drew Manning was telling a story the other day about about this very thing. And he he mentioned he had a, a childhood friend whose brother used to always mess with him, you know, and used to, it just goes to show like the power of belief. His brother was messing with him and he said, I'm going to, I'm going to burn you with this hot iron. And, and he, the iron wasn't even hot and he, he put it on his leg and, and because he believed that that iron was hot, the story goes, I mean, I'm not, you know, not saying I don't, I don't believe it, but the story goes that, that there was a burn on his leg because oh he totally with everything inside of him, every cell in his body <laughs> believed that he was going to get burned. Right? That's really funny. And yeah. that goes, that happens. And even, even without the burn, it's like, there's a reaction. Your oh yeah. Brain, your brain is anticipating that burn. So it's going to be like, like freaking out. It's so interesting. Yeah, it really is. And I like how you mentioned that the workouts um, helped you because that is something that we suggest to people, you know, that they're like, how do I, how do I get through this keto flu faster? Like, how do I just get into ketosis? I'm like, do some hit, do some high intensity stuff, just burn through all those stores, you know? hundred percent. And it's too, I mean, what I love about working out and this is, it's so funny when I was younger, I just used to hate really pushing my body, but it's such a satisfying feeling when you get done with a workout and you just know you left everything in the pool or in the gym. Yeah. Um, and just to see that, I mean, it's, it's pretty common sense, like knowing, okay, when I'm going to put energy or like fuel being your food in your body, I'm going to work intensely. Like it's going to burn up and it's going to clean and it's going to get it out. It's the same with the car or any sort of engine. Right. Um, so it's, yeah, I love that side of it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's let, let me ask you this. Cause I'm sure your diet gets brought up from time to time, given your success. So how do, how do your swim friends and coaches respond and how does media respond when you tell them you're eating a low carb, <laughs> high fat diet? Yeah. The media loves it. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's, we've in my entire life, I've been very, very much in the eyes, um, and it's mostly been because the way we do things is very different to um, the uh, what would it be the standard, the norm, yeah, the yeah. Standard, like the rest of the field kind of thing. And um, so they they love speaking about these crazy things we're trying. Um, and I think what's cool is there's obviously been results to back it, and so there's the it solidifies what we do, which is pretty exciting. Um, for me, every time I speak with an athlete or a coach about the keto diet, a lot of them come to me having already researched it, oh, knowing, nice. knowing like, wow, like this is so interesting because it's so different. Um, and I think that that level of intrigue makes people really want to experiment, which is awesome for the keto movement because it gets so many more people at least dipping their toes in and feeling, okay, what is it like to be feeling off of ketones? What is the ketone even like, what is a ketone, you know, because it's such a weird, like, 
nobody really knows what ketones are <laughs> unless you like dive into the diet. And so it's, it's pretty cool. I think a lot of people are very curious and um, obviously getting to speak with them about that and then show how my body's reacted and how my results have been affected and things like that. They, they have more buy-in um, ultimately leading them to, to dabble. Yeah. Um, and that dabble leads further down the road. Well, I love that right. because I think that that just goes to show that we're we're evolving in our in our thought process especially in the performance world. You know, I played college football. I was a collegiate strength and conditioning coach and um things have really changed and like if we're at the point where it's it's past ridicule and we're at like curiosity, that's yeah. really encouraging. You know, and now I think the next step is going to be, oh, well, that's just Michael Andrew. Well, no, okay, let's see. Let's see if, if it's if it is just Michael Andrew. What about so and so? This person's trying right. it. Let's see how much we can replicate the results because if we can, then wow, we're on to something. And there's nothing better than seeing records being broken, man. Like that's what we live for when we watch the Olympics or we watch these huge, you know, worlds and uh different competitions. So um but you know, I'm I'm interested in your training style because you mentioned that. So give me yeah. an idea of what ultra short race pace training entails. Yeah, so um, just to tie off of your last comment, it's so interesting because USRBT for us was the same. We, when we first started, everybody thought we were absolutely bonkers. Like, there's no way you're going to just swim a bunch of 25s and 50s at pace repeatedly and expect to just swim a perfect 200 or 100 freestyle. And we went and did it. We did it from a young age. I, um, I started breaking national records when I was 10 years old. Until I was about who eighteen, I had a little over. I think I think it was about a hundred and ten plus national age group records that I had broken over the years. And so, so I became by almost actually by fourteen years old, I had the most national records of any athlete in the history of swimming. That's awesome. And my career was very far from being done. And so it was, it was pretty cool. And so this brought a lot of attention to our training method. And then fast forward, well, I guess, so here's, here's kind of an interesting part of the story is I went professional, I signed to go pro at 14, um, which just added, you know, extra fuel to the fire kind right. of thing for people to be like, wow, you guys are really nuts. Uh, yeah. Gave up NCAA swimming, gave up high school swimming. Um, wow. And about three, three years later, as I started to compete internationally and win bigger races and stuff people started to then buy in. They started to see, oh, wow, like this isn't just a big, tall phenom kid that is going to swim fast for a year and then completely plateau and fall off the face of the earth because that's what they were expecting. That's what they were writing about. And so then people started to really dive in and see, oh, wow, USRP2, this like is pretty interesting. Um, and so now we see a lot of clubs implementing uh, race pace, a form of race pace training. Uh, we work with a lot of internationals, a lot of a lot more foreign clubs than we do here in the U.S. Um, in like educating and trying to help them all do USRBT. But for me, I guess if we go back just to the nuts and bolts of USRBT, ultra short race pace training is the the word I kind of use to describe it as a whole is specificity. Yeah. Okay. So when we're preparing to race for say say I'm getting ready for world championships and I have a schedule that runs hundred fly, hundred back, hundred breast, hundred free. I'm going to train throughout the week or whatever time period I have leading up to it, doing those sets in order. But what's important is that I'm doing each set broken down into shorter intervals, uh, like 25s, with a very small rest, holding the exact pace I want to go. 
The reason we do this is because our brain codes every movement, whether we like it or not. And so if we're training in a traditional program, like most athletes do, your brain's going to be coding a kick, a pull, a weird twist here, some underwaters there, uh, some drills, and then maybe some fast stuff. But the idea is because you're having such mixed training, when you come to race, there's mixed results. Hmm. Um, so with, with right. USRPT, everything is very specific, very streamlined, very um, intentional towards what we're going to be racing. So that when I come to race, my body and my brain has already done it a thousand times over. Right. That it's instinctual. Um, and we've, we've had an incredible time with it. I remember when I was younger, there used to be meets where based on the weeks leading up to a competition, my dad could make a guesstimate of the time I was going to go. And there were a few times where I went that exact time to wow. the one, which wow. is, like, gives me chills. Like it's pretty nice. <laughs> um, but it's just, that's how our body works. Like we need to be doing the same thing over and over repetitively in order to execute properly. Wow. I, I love this. I really, really love this because, I mean, it reminds me of Tabata when, when Tabata came out with his protocol. Um, it's very similar. You know, it was developed as an endurance protocol, but it was an anaerobic, you know, type of workout. So it was four minutes of work, you know, 20, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off for eight sets. And they, right. they found that they also increased that, um, aerobic endurance. And one of the, one of the downfalls of, of working on aerobic endurance is, you know, the overuse injuries that people get, whether it's even cardiac, you know, issues where people are like their hearts are, are working too hard. But you're also talking about, I mean, I'm assuming even if you're training for a hundred or for a 200, if you're breaking it down to 25 or 50 meter pieces, you're also, um, I'm assuming those, those are all those pieces are coming off the, uh, off like the start, basically like you're, you're, you're simulating the start on every time. Mm -hmm. Well, so there, there are sets where sometimes we'll, we'll do the start. It makes it tough when you do the start every single time, just in terms of like timing. Um, and the reason we, we don't always is because the rest period between each 50 is only going to be 20 seconds for, for 200 pace sets and 15 seconds for 100 pace sets. So it's often not enough to jump out of the pool and get on the blocks. Um, but there are definitely sets where we will, we'll do the first, like, so we'll do rounds of four where we'll go a start on the every fourth 50, but continue rolling through it just to get that movement. Um, especially because, you know, the start's just as important as the swim. But yeah, that's the same. That's the idea is really creating a, a constant uh, cycle that your body can get used to in terms of racing. And, and when you're, when you're, when you're paced um, at a slower pace, it just makes sense that you're, you're hardwiring that, that I guess, slower pattern. Right. right. And so to, for example, so this morning, uh, <laughs> very, very difficult sets. Um, <laughs> I swam. Uh, so we were going originally to do 2050s butterfly long course uh, at 200 pace, 2050s free, and then do 2050s IM order. So it's three sets of 2050s. Each um, stroke. Each set we try and make as many 50s at pace. Oh, okay. And in between each of those 20, we take 10 minutes to like active warm down. So the butterfly, I absolutely destroyed myself. So I went really hard, uh, held pace, did really well. But by the time I got to the third set, the IM, my my chest and my lats and shoulders were just completely shot that I wasn't actually able to hold pace in my, my IM set. And so after the first four fifties, we decided this is useless. We're, we're going to just call it there. That's, that's the end of the session. And so we did some starts, worked on some specific stuff. But other than that, you can't 
to go and swim slowly just to get yardage is almost to it's, it is it, not almost it is it's detrimental it's detriment yeah, yeah of your speed because then your brain starts to code those slower movements so when you then are tired in a race your body thinks it's okay to go you know you're putting a governor on yourself yeah 100 percent Wow. And wow. that's, that's the same. I mean, people are seeing like that. rowing, right? Like, wait, didn't you do that with rowing? Like kind of like the pace matters. Like, Oh yeah. Cause I compete okay. in indoor rowing. So I do the, the hundred meter, the four by 100 and I mean the four by one, that was when I ran track the hundred meter, <laughs> the minute for distance and the um, 500 meter. And again, wow. the 500 meter, that's a minute and 19 seconds. You know, that's not a lot, you know? So I did also, I, I have a few state records and I was, you know, top, 10 in a lot in, in two or three of those. And so like I did, I did, I've done a lot of interval work, um, working with stroke rate training, working with, I, I do, I do a little bit of everything, but I, I do a lot of sprints, whether it be, you know, um, hundred meter sprints and you're talking about, you know, 14 seconds of work. Right. Yeah. Oh, dude, you'd be so, you'd be so, you'd crush the rower. I, I don't know if you've <laughs> yeah, ever gotten on a rower, sure. but with your stroke, I mean, it'd just be nuts. But yeah. um, this, this does look like something really promising and it's, it's so cutting edge. And again, I feel like the combination of that with a, you know, a, a diet that's very anti-inflammatory, like keto, oh, yeah. it's just, you're at the top. Obviously you, you can see the yeah. results. Yeah. Incredible. And one thing I would add is I think what's so tough for people, like what we noticed in terms of buy-in, like getting people to experiment with it was the fact that it was too simple. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they look at like these Olympic athlete programs and stuff, they want this like super wacky, confusing, hard to understand sets. And for us, it is the most simplified way to train. And that almost turns them off. They're like, oh, oh yeah, it, it looks so easy. <laughs> and it's like, when you jump in and do this, it is the farthest thing from easy, but it's such a simple routine to set up. It's not like you have to do all these weird, weird, useless drills. Um, right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's been an awesome journey so far. I mean, there's so much still to come. That's incredible. Um, what was what was life for you growing up and trying to balance swim and school? I mean, obviously now we know that you got signed at 14. So I'm sure after that, you probably weren't in school. Did you attend school growing up? How did it all you know work out as far as that? <laughs> yeah, that's a very uh, observant, good guess. Um, so when I was, uh, shoot, what, what year? Um, so we, we did like the public school system up until I think my last year was fifth grade. Um, and then after that, once we realized, you know, swimming is the goal, my, I had dreams and desires. Um, I knew that I could get an education, probably a better education virtual through virtual academy. hundred uh, <laughs> percent. We're all hundred percent in agreement there. Yeah, absolutely. And so we experimented with a couple other programs. We started with a Becca, we did K-12. Um, but what really, what we found to be incredible was Liberty University's, um, online academy. And so my sister and I both went through Lynchburg's um, online program. We were able to study on our laptop. We were able to travel. For me, the hardest part was procrastination. Uh, I believe <laughs> I have ADHD. We don't know if I really do. It's not been like tested or anything. Yeah, that's how I feel. Focusing <laughs> on things like that. Yeah. Self-diagnosed. That's good for training. Um, but yeah, with school, it was tough because I was always, you know, I would train in the morning, train in the evening. I'd try and do my school during the day. But then when we travel, you know, it's like I'd be racing almost every weekend of the year. I would, it was easy to put things off. Um, and so funny story, my sister graduated high school at 15 years old. 
I ended up graduating quite a few months after her, (laughs) 17-year-old. And it's just because she was working through the weekends, working through summer. But it was awesome. It gave me the opportunity to travel and do what I love. And had I not gone that route with Virtual Academy, I would not have been able to swim or compete as much as I did. I wouldn't have been able to train the way I did. I wouldn't have been able to represent sponsors, brands, and start learning and becoming an elite athlete. Of course, and so it gave me a lot of opportunity that I otherwise wouldn't have had. Um, and I think too, because of all the travel we had, like that was a form of school. Like oh, we were yes. oh, yeah. so many cultures and like so many just <laughs> such crazy experiences, learning how to deal with people and communicate. Um, you know, so whenever you're dealing with a like an air hostess or a baggage fee and having to learn patience and all this. It's like, you don't learn those things in school. No, no. I've been fortunate to you know, have money coming through. So I learned how to invest and to save and to budget and all these things that you just don't get in schools. And so it's, I was very fortunate to have parents that believed in it. And I think too, part of it was my parents are both South African originally. Um, I'm South African by blood, feel more South African than I am American. <laughs> and, um, we didn't believe, not, not that we didn't believe in the school system. We believe in the school system and having education is very important, but we saw that they take, they take God out of the school systems. They, yep. there's a lot of things that, you know, are frightening for us. And so we, we knew that we could get that education other ways and, and travel and do what we really love. Cause ultimately I, I believe we're here for a short time and, um, why not, uh, do everything you can to, to make the most of it. Oh man. Wow. Oh man. You, well, you don't know this man, but we, we are unschoolers. Uh, we're also yeah, our Christian. Kids our kids don't go to school. <laughs> so like I, I was just really, really hoping you were going to say this. I was like, so, if, yeah. if he did Naturally, school with this, we this, made that observation. We're like, yeah. oh, for sure. There's no, like, there's no. Cause way. I mean, as it is like with the college swimmers, the guys that I knew in college, these guys were like fried. They were yeah. fried because you're swimming at 5 a.m. You're swimming at whatever, 5 p.m. You got a full course load and right. do you really, really care about all this other stuff? Like, yeah, some of these guys are brilliant. And actually, I noticed that a lot of the swimmers were really, really smart. But I mean, just you only have a a finite amount of time. And thankfully, we have the freedom that we can do this. And we we had to highlight that because this is this is what we're doing with our boys. You know, like we we want them to spend their time the way they want to spend it. We want to be the deliverers of all all of life's important messages. We don't want that message to come from someone their age who doesn't know crap, you know, like or someone else who may not believe the way we believe. So we totally understand that. Man, and we're we're just 100. Well, and I think it's 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 definitely a tough line. I think it's really important to obviously be in a school setting to a certain degree where you can you know have that friend group. I think that was a lot of people's biggest fear is being a homeschooler. Are you are you super introverted and weird and can't hold a proper sentence, or can you learn to communicate with an adult? And that's one thing I think we are very blessed with is we had parents who put us in situations where we had to learn how to communicate. Yeah. So like I. I love public speaking and being able to engage with people older or younger. And I think I, I had enough time in school where I you know, had those peer groups and I have friends that are still in school and friends that are not. And it's like, you know, we, we didn't miss out on anything. That's what, that's the biggest question I guess. Don't you miss like, Right, like, did you miss out? And for me, no, it's like, I was in Tokyo. I, yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, no. I wanted to go to university where I, just, I learned how to party and lose out these four years of being an elite athlete. Um, but I do, on the other hand, also think 
that if you want to become a doctor and there's Absolutely. other or economics or things like that, like, yeah, go to school. You right. should definitely have an education. <laughs> Absolutely. There's certain things you can't always learn outside of that school system. So it just kind of depends on, on what your dreams and aspirations are in life. And uh, I don't know, it's the same for my sister. I almost feel like I should just have her come and explain that she, <laughs> she, she doesn't know exactly what she wants to be in the future. And for her, it's not wise to go and get into debt at a university just to, I mean, right. that thing is, oh, absolutely. Well, the university doesn't guarantee you a job now. Oh it's my like, gosh. How are you dif- differentiating yourself? Everybody has a college degree. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's interesting. It's a very touchy subject for sure. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, school is good, but you got to know what you want in life. We, well, we're, and also now just, I think homeschooling is becoming easier. Well, it is becoming easier just because of the oh, internet. Sure. Like the fact that you did have, like, we have something similar here in our County where it's like a virtual program yeah. with online now. I mean, these kids can learn anything, right. you know, from, you know, you could learn how to do heart surgery mm-hmm. on YouTube at this point, <laughs> but obviously you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be licensed, but you know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. MIT, all these colleges, they have their lectures online for free. There's just so much information oh. that it's, it is a little easier. So. Right. Well, I had to, I had to bring that up. Well, Maura had to yeah. bring that up, but I want to get back into the performance side of things. So <laughs> I'd love to talk about nutrient timing and supplementation. Obviously, we met each other through a mutual friend at UCAN, Superstarch. Um, and so I know that that somehow has a place in, in your regimen. And obviously this episode for, for anyone who obviously listened to from the beginning, you, you guys heard that, that UCAN, uh, promo that, that I did that you guys know that I've, I've been using UCAN for a long time and and now I'm finally uh, at a point where I feel like I'm comfortable enough with the product to promote it. Um, and so um, that's you know part of this. But what are what are you currently using on a daily basis, supplement wise, and and what if anything are you using to augment your performance? Yeah, that's that's an awesome question. Um, so I actually have I have two UCAN bars sitting here in front of me. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, for me, what I do so there's only two supplements I really ever use. Um, you can and real ketones. What I've noticed with you can, which has been so incredible for me is I'm able to eat a ketogenic diet. I use real ketones to help me stay in ketosis. Um, but you can, can give me this, this, uh, not like a quick burst energy cause it is, it's a more sustaining, longer lasting fuel source. It's a slow release. Um, but because it's not like a regular carbohydrate, it's a super starch. I've noticed that I've been able to increase my sessions have a more lasting energy throughout the set by the end of it i'm not hungry and when i get out of practice even though i may have had what's a larger dose of carbs i'm still in ketosis yeah and this was huge for me because i didn't really believe that would work and still we tar- until we started testing it and so we've been using the uh test strips and stuff so we test our blood after most of our sessions and it's been so fascinating to see that i can have what little carbs is in here, but get this increase in energy and still maintain a level of ketones that are beneficial. Um, And that was huge for me. That was the biggest thing. Obviously, you know, personally that you can taste amazing. Uh, It blends really easily. That was my biggest thing is I was very picky as a young kid. Like I couldn't drink supplements that were chalky or thick. It has to be smooth and taste nice. So I'm always, um, Tropical orange is my, my like go to. Oh, I like, I no, like tropical orange a lot. Yeah. So and then I, uh, for the bars, I'm always the peanut butter bars or the chocolate bars. Oh, I haven't tried those. I've only tried the older that I, I had those bars like last year. So I, I had gotten the peach 
Oh, peach is pretty good. What yeah. I like about peach is peach doesn't melt. Oh, so my, okay. my tough thing is I go to like, so today we were training in La Jolla and I take a can bar for me for like between sets. And obviously by the time I get out being outdoors here in sunny SoCal, the most of the chocolate's melted. So I'm like licking the chocolate off the wrapper. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's been really fascinating. So I'll use, um, so I guess a bit of my routine would be I'll wake up in the morning. I, my first training session is from nine to 11. So I'll have three eggs, a coffee with MCT oil and uh, a little bit of butter. And then I'll have my Ucan Super Starch. So tropical orange, I'll have a shake. I try and drink that 30 to 40 minutes before I get in the water and start my session. So that just gives it enough time to kind of get in my system, start you know working for me and helping out. That lasts throughout the session. During the session, I'm drinking what's called, uh, it's real ketones, a D plus. So it's just like my during. Um, often I'll actually mix the D plus with UCAN's hydration packets, which is just a little bit of extra electrolytes and fuel source so that, you know, it just tastes awesome and uh, kind of go through. And then when I get back, um, UCAN has a protein that I will use and then real ketones also has a protein that I use. So I kind of, I swap back and forth um, every other day or so on the two just for a little bit of variety. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's been incredible. Like that was for me, the ultimate thing is how can I be signed with a, a carbohydrate company <laughs> yeah. while eating a ketogenic diet? And that was, I think that's what a lot of people get very confused. And that's one of their biggest questions for me is like, isn't you can a carb? So yes, it is, but it's a super starch. And so things just happen differently. <laughs> it's hard to explain. Oh, dude, trust me. This is like, you know, I, I, I've gotten so much pushback from people in the ketogenic community because, you know, people, a lot of people are looking at what I'm saying when it comes to performance, because that's my angle, you know, like what, how can we use a ketogenic diet for performance, whether right. it's in season or off season. And, um, I, I had that same thing and, and, it's just really interesting to see this because, you know, these people will, a lot of people will, they won't bat an eye to have like all this junk that, that, yeah, quote unquote, it's not a carb because it's full of like sweeteners <laughs> and they're, they're net carbs and they're looking at net carbs. But my, in my experience, the crazy thing is that when I started consistently using UCAN, I saw a bump in ketones, which is like, what? Wait, what did you say? You're eating a carbohydrate and your ketones are up. I mean, that's interesting. And then I, I know Peter shared um, a paper with me from East Carolina where they saw the same thing, the, that the, the group that was taking the UCAN had higher ketones. So then on top of that, of course, we have the fact that like we've spoken about Dr. Jeff Volick and his involvement yeah. with UCAN and uh, okay. he may be doing some some stuff with some of the stuff that I've been recently looking at UCAN for, for like the fitness side for like bodybuilding and, and building muscle. So uh -huh. that is, that's really interesting to see. And, and I'm glad that you say that, but this is where we are now. And this is why I'm so excited to partner with UCAN because I want the performance crowd, right. not not only the ketogenic crowd, because, you know, the ketogenic crowd will see a benefit from, mm -hmm. you know, supplementing UCAN, especially with specific types of activities like, you know, glycolytic activities, things that are going to call on glycogen and things that you that, you, you, that your body um, has, but may not have enough of if you're only eating strict keto. But right. even for a carb-based athlete like Arkansas, for example, the University of Arkansas football, if you look at their, their, their strength coach, really smart 
smart guy, young guy. Um, he has pictures of them, you know, as freshmen and then as sophomores. And it looks like a transformation contest from like a bodybuilding like competition yeah. or something like wow. these guys all look better because they're still eating a lot of carbs, but they're replacing a lot of the carbs they're eating with UCAN carbs, which that's a, that's a, again, like you said, it's, it's just different. Yeah, it is <laughs> we different. should just make that the, the tagline. You can, it's just, just different. different. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really interesting you say that too, because I, obviously every athlete is different. Every person is different, but my body can handle a certain amount of carbohydrate. So I'm not, it's not like I'm going out and eating those carbs in food. You can is that little bit of carbs that I'm having. So my body's burning up anyway, allowing me for, to, to maintain the, that level of ketosis. I think that's what people tend to forget is like, you can still have a certain amount of carbs. It just depends on obviously how intense is your work? How consistent is it? Is your body doing enough to burn that so that it's not affecting the way that your body processes the foods in terms of creating ketones, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Yeah. I want to get into um, kind of like your, like daily routines and stuff, because this has been so you know impactful on my life and Danny's life and just getting that morning routine and, and mm. several, you know, lifestyle. Um, what am I trying to say? Like, uh, habits. Yeah. Like habits. Right. So what does your daily routine look like with respect to things outside of just nutrition and training? So for example, mindset and any other related lifestyle, lifestyle factors that yeah, we may sure. overlook. Wow. That's, that's a really good question. It's a, it's a convicting one for sure. I feel like at the beginning of every season, we always start it with, oh, we're going to have these awesome routines. We're going to be so like poignant on like, this is when it's done. This is that and whatever. And so I do, I have excellent routines, but I think it's not obviously always where I expect them to be uh, leading into the season. For me, every morning looks the same in terms of waking up at the same time then making your bed, like those small things kind oh, of yeah. set me up for the day. Um, I mean, I can just kind of go through my like, weekly routine. Though. Oh it's yeah. Like week. So, so Monday morning, Tuesday morning are my big Monday, Tuesday are my biggest days in terms of training. So Monday morning will go really heavy uh, training sessions. I come home for a larger breakfast, bacon, eggs, avocado. Um, and then from there I go to the gym one to two. Tuesday is the exact same. Uh, that Monday evening, I swim 100 pace sets. So each week looks the same unless there's something that happens, like whether I have to film a podcast or something like that. Like we, yeah. we mix things up a little bit, um, but we never miss a session. And I think for me, what's really cool in terms of knowing each week way, way in front of that time is I'm able to then anticipate it and kind of mentally prep myself. And it's the same way with our training. It's like before each session, not only do I know when or where we're going, but I also know exactly what I'm going to be doing in that session. So I can prepare accordingly, whether it's have a little extra you can have some more ketones with me or just get a little extra sleep that night um, and sleep. Oh, my goodness. Having yeah. a sleep routine, a sleep habit is massive. So we've started experimenting with and I've experimented, but just tracking our sleep. And trying to get a baseline and figure out, okay, where does my body perform the best? Is it nine hours, nine and a half hours, is it 10 hours? And then what times of night is the best to go to bed? So I'm always in bed by 9.30, latest 10, when I get up at 7 each night. So my body knows like it's time to go to bed. And so I'm, I've been getting much better sleep. And I've also been, been really interesting to see how 
having a good sleep routine or just good sleep habits has affected my training. I wake up more rested, more energetic. Um, I remember there was a study, I think it was Stanford studies in the sleep study, basically saying that if you, if you can sleep properly and like really, really do it right, it's going to be more beneficial for your performance than taking drugs. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You that, you know? yeah, 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 like definitely. We, we have ex- access to these quote unquote performance enhancers without ever being positive, like even coming close to that type of stuff. It's like sleep, staying hydrated. Like there's so many simple things that we skip out on and we try and look for these golden tickets when it's really right in front of us. Um, but I too, I agree. Habits is huge. Obviously, my, my dad was, uh, he was a Navy diver in South Africa. And so is the same type of thing as with the SEALs. It's like you've set up these routines so that everything comes naturally when it comes time to, to uh, take out the mission. And so it's the same with our, the way we train and the way we go about our day. And I think it also, it allows for less, uh, less stress in your life. So there's less things that you have to be worried about or anticipate because you know what's coming. Um, and so that's how I've just kind of seen routines and habits really help me out. Um, but it's, it's always it's always one of those things that can be better. I think as an athlete too, always looking towards performance is like I I find myself definitely focusing more not on the negatives, but just like when I achieve something, even if I broke a record or whatever, I always find myself saying, "Oh, I could have done this turn better. Or I could have done that better." And so it's the same way when I view my routines. It's like there's always something that can get better. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good, um, mindset. And that's a different, there's a, there's a difference between, um, what's the word? Happy, but not satisfied. Mm. And, yeah. and just, you know, someone who's like, uh, I'm never going to get this right. You know, it's a different, right. it's a different headspace. Um, 100%. yeah. Now with, with all of this stuff, this is just really interesting for me. Um, I'm, I'm thinking to myself now, okay. So you have done so much, so much of what you're doing is relying on your own personal autonomy and your decision making, which obviously like it, when you were younger, you probably didn't know as much about like, number one, what you were going to do that day, but it didn't really matter that much because you were still learning how to self-regulate and how to self coach and all that. But I think, I think you're right, man. Like when, when you're a driven person now, it's important to know, you know, what are the big days going to be? What are the, what are the expectations going to be? Because then you will, you will be much more diligent on, okay, man, tomorrow's, tomorrow's heavy. <laughs> we got to really get right. to bed early. Uh, no, no Sunday night football, you know, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have a question for you. Like what, what would you say? to eight-year-old Michael or any other young athlete who, who has like big aspirations in the sport, like what, what are some of the things that you learned that you would like to pass on and say, man, if you could learn this without making the mistake I made, or, or if you could, if I could have implemented this a little bit earlier, uh, I'd like to pass it on to you because, you know, so the kids can, can try to emulate what you're doing. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. Um, I think the biggest thing I would say to any younger athlete and even myself is, Learn as early as you possible what your why is. So why you're doing something. What's the goal? Where do you want it to take you? What sort of things do you want to earn from your hard work type of thing? Mm -hmm. And write it down and then never forget what it is. I think for me, there's been times in the season where I forget why I'm doing it. And I then start to doubt and the motivation of it gets harder. So it's like you're going through these hard sets and you're forgetting like, oh, why am I even here? Like, 
And it's like, well, why do I even need to be here? It's like, why would I even push hard? And so um, I think if you can know why you're doing something, it makes the what and how a lot easier because you're able to then show up with intentionality each day, understanding, okay, like I'm here to work and this is going to get me closer to my goals and to to the reason of why I'm doing this. Um, and even if it's just because you love it and because you enjoy the sport, don't forget those sort of things because there will definitely come a time in your career or your swimming or whatever it may be that it's a little harder than it was than it was starting out. And that's the time when you need to really fall back and reevaluate and see, okay, why did I do this in the first place? Um, and that's what I was my biggest thing is I remember early or it's late 2016, I was having a tough time just training and I kind of went back to basics really from square one. And I realized, you know what, win or lose swimming is what I love to do. Like I enjoy being in the water. Um, and I know that God's given me a gift to swim fast. So I'm going to do everything I can just to be in the moment and to swim fast. And then later that year, I had an opportunity to go to world championships. I swam terribly the first day. I was not trained. And then I went on two days later to winning my first gold medal at world champs as a 17 year old. And two lanes over was the guy who broke the world record just two weeks before that competition. That's awesome. So I was not in any way or shape or form supposed to win that race, but I was just, I was doing what I was loving to do. And I was just in the moment. And, um, you know, obviously it doesn't always work out like that, but I think um, being able to show up free of that fear of failing and knowing why I'm here gives you the ability to just go and do. Man, I love that. And I'm looking for, oh, here we go. This is, listen to this quote, cause I think you'd appreciate it. So, um, this is something that when you, when you mentioned like always remembering your why and coming back to that, it reminds me of gratitude, obviously, because, you know, you're doing what you love. And that's, you know, for a lot of people, you know, if you ask them what their why is, it's because I can't live without swimming. Like I, there's, there's my life without, you know, my life without spearfishing was right. just, you know, an unfulfilled life. And I, I was listening, I was uh, listening to someone I wrote this down and it says, I'm constantly worrying about the next part of my life without realizing I'm right in the middle of what I used to look forward to. So true. And it's like, wow. if Ugh. we could just remember that, right? Like just remember. And it brings like, it so yeah. full circle with what you said, Michael, at the beginning with, you know, purpose over performance. Yeah. If it it, it, it has to be about purpose. Like if you want to perform well, even I yeah. think, you know, I Absolutely. think without the purpose, you won't even have the performance. So it's, it's right. always having that. And I think that that's mm -hmm. so important to have those clear cut, you know, okay. little things that you can come back to because when those moments come yeah. where it's hard, you know, so Absolutely great advice. No, I agree. That's so powerful. And it's, it's hard because a lot of athletes have never, uh, never been taught that or experienced. Right. Like I, like for me, I was very fortunate from a young age to be around athletes that have gone their entire career, not knowing this, and then realized at the end that they were able to share with me these things. And so I'm very fortunate to them that I'm able to be where I am as an athlete, knowing these things. So it's, it's incredible. Very incredible. Well, wow. I, I'm going to sound like a really old man now, but because this, <laughs> you know, this guy's half our age. I'm 38 years old, but man, uh, man. you know, I think the world of you, I think your, your parents, it's a big reflection on job. your parents. And, um, I know it's weird to hear that from someone, but it really, uh, it's, it's a big, you know, it's a big testament to all of your successes, you know, growing up in the right environment. Um, you had, well, you'd had one more question, didn't you? Oh, no, it was just where do, can people find him online? That oh, yeah. was the question. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> for our followers. Yeah. So where can people find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, my biggest platforms are Instagram and YouTube. Uh, Instagram is Swimmer Michael. 
Twitter is Stormy Michael, and nice. then YouTube is just Michael Andrew. Perfect. Um, and most of my accounts all kind of link to each other. But yeah, I, I do my best to kind of keep everybody in the loop as we travel. So I'm, I'm working on a vlog now, actually, from uh, a beach day we had the other day. We had a friend bring a, mm-hmm. a subwatch, so a giant paddleboard we can fit like six people on. But we were kind of playing out, we're playing around in the surf. So I got that coming out. And then as I travel, I, I enjoy making vlogs and be able to create. I think a lot of my uh, creativity is able to take me away from all the stress and performance side of things. And so it gives me the opportunity to, to share a bit of our journey and also for people to kind of get to know me a little better. Um, so yeah, it's also good for sponsors. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> well, man, we're, we're huge Michael Andrew fans. We're we going to be following along in Thank everything you, so you do. Uh, we just appreciate it, man. And we, we wish you the best. Thank you. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming on. 